Matthew 24, 36. However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. I haven't even heard that for years. No one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself, only the Father knows. We're going to talk about the first, we're going to talk about seven raptures. This is very insightful. It's going to be very convicting. Help you get your stuff together. And, uh, but here it says no man knows the day or the hour. And what happened is that people have refrained, the majority of the body of Christ has refrained from studying the subject because no man knows the day or the hour. But they forgot to be specific when it comes to God. And that is, he said no man knows the day or the hour, but he didn't say no man would know the week, wouldn't know the week or the month or the season. So I'm going to show you some scriptures that point towards that and also give you some, some responsibilities. So let's look at Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12. Verse 1, I feel like coming down today. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, they, the audience are like, oh, man. <laughs> I know this is my spiritual dad, Oedipo. He's different on the floor than he is up here. He started coming down them steps real slow. And when we were over there, I mean, with him, there is no, and I'm getting better at that. With him, there is no chaser. There is no appetizer. There is no... I mean, from the time they turned that mic over, the first statement blows your mind. <laughs> and, we, and everybody's pulling out their notes trying to, wait a minute, man. Okay, so but let's do this. Daniel chapter 12, 1 through 4. At that time, talking about our time, the Michael, the archangel who stands guard over your nation will arise. There will be a time of anguish greater than any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. If you plan on being in that boat, let me see you lift your hand and say amen. amen. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting disgrace. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky. Those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. But you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end when many will rush here and there and knowledge will increase in the world and in the church. I added that last part. That's not in the King James or any other James. <laughs> you know, I just added that. So because uh, there is an explosion of knowledge in the world, but there's also explosion of revelation knowledge in the church. And so, but how many you know, the explosion in the world is brought about by a few folk, as well as the explosion of revelation knowledge in the church is brought about by few folk. And the others get to enjoy it. So no man knows the day or the hour, but the scripture does point to the fact that you would know possibly the month or the week or the season. Okay, so here you have a hint because he said these things will begin to come to pass. And he said, put a time lock on scripture. They won't that generation. No generation will see it until it's time to actually walk in it or bring it to pass. And he said, you'll know because it'll be the generation when knowledge will explode and people will rush here and there. Scripture's definition for speed. 2 Peter 3.8, you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. If the Bible tells you not to forget this one thing, don't forget this one thing. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. We'll look at a graph in a moment. It tells you basically 6,000 years of human history. Most folk don't know that there's an actual 6,000-year lease on planet Earth. And, uh, God leased the planet to Adam. He subleased the planet to Satan. And so that's why you have to ask God to come in and do certain things because right now the planet does not belong to him. He owns it, 
but he has a sub-owner. That's why the Bible says Satan is the lowercase g, God of this what? World. Why would it say that? Because right now Satan owns what belongs to God. When that lease is up, we're going to have some problems. Because, you know, when you lease something, never mind. You got to pay a price at the end. Okay? So he said, don't forget this one thing. So it's 6,000 years of human history. Then it'll be a seven-year tribulation period of chaos on planet Earth. At the end of that seven years, Jesus comes back with the saints, and then he establishes another 1,000-year reign of Christ. Um, I don't want to get over into that right now. So the whole thing ends up being a total of exactly 7,000 years. Okay? Isaiah 46, 9 through 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no one else. I am God and there was no one like me. I declare the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsels will stand and I will do all my pleasure. So the, the major key to understanding the book of Revelation and the major key to understanding the time that we live in is actually going back and looking at everything in Genesis. He said, because I declared the end from the beginning. So in other words, when I started, I was speaking about the end. So when you get to the end, you have to look at how I started to see how you're going to end. Y'all got me? We'll get into that a little bit tonight. Okay. Isaiah, I already read that. Luke 17, 26 through 30. When the son of man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. The beginning. I mean, you know, the story of Noah and Lot are both in Genesis. When the Son of Man returns, it'll be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets, parties, weddings, right up to the time Noah entered his boat. And the flood came and destroyed them all. And the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People went about their daily business, eating and drinking and buying and selling and farming and building until the morning Lot left Sodom. Then fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Yes, it will be business as usual right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Okay? So here it says that you'll know. And see, the, the thing, here's the thing. All of these things got to line up together. Okay? So they all have to line up together. And as you see, they're all lining up together. He said, in my day, it'll be like it was in Noah's day. Okay? Well, apparently in Noah's day and... and and last day, everybody was farming and planting and getting married and doing all of those different type of things. But we already brought out that the fact that in Noah's day, out of all of the sin, the scripture brought out sexual perversion. And then in Lot's day, out of all of the sin, the scripture brought out sexual perversion. So you can tell that you're in that day because today with all of the sin, the one that seems to headline everything and getting out of control is the sexual perversion. Have you paid attention to the commercials? They're just slipping it in and dipping it in and slicking it in. Uh, I went, uh, yesterday I was doing something and what was I doing? I went to one, I flipped, it was something that happened. I don't need to tell y'all that. Y'all already know TV is crazy. I don't need to give y'all no more examples. <laughs> okay, so anyway. So then, let me add these couple. These might be new for you. <laughs> Devon and I were just talking about this and I've talked about this before. You know, you, how many of you have heard that, that, that God has promised us 120 years, okay? And, and that's all fine, but that never really set well with me. Um, you have to be careful with Scripture um, because, you know, so number one, let me just let you know personally, 
I mean, I'm good for maybe 90 or 100. I'm not trying to be here after that 120 years. You know, uh, number two, all of the righteous men that are on the planet, nobody is living to 120. You know, so, so you be my guest. You are allowed to receive what it is you believe, and I'm good after about 100. Okay. I, I would have saw my kids and my great-grandkids, all of them kids, I'm out. <laughs> okay. So, but let's look at what the scripture says. Genesis 6. Because we're talking about, now, I'm bringing out a couple of passages to show you that God does give us the exact times when it comes to these things. How I many you know the whole world was wicked, and before God destroyed the wicked, what did he do? He removed the righteous into a place of safety called the ark, and he did not bring any, any destruction until that moment. Genesis 6, 1 through 8, then the people began to multiply on the earth, and daughters were born to them. The sons of God, these are talking about angels saw the beautiful women, and took any that they wanted as their wives. Then the Lord said, "My spirit." now the moment they did this, the Lord said, my spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time, for they are only mortal flesh. In the future, their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. In those days, and for some time after, giant Nephilites, half angel, half man, lived on the earth. For whenever the sons of God had intercourse with women, they gave birth to children who became the heroes and famous warriors of ancient times. Most of your Greek mythology came out of this moment. Yes, if you actually study that, it's traced back to this time frame in planet Earth where these giants have gods and all of that, all of that Greek mythology and stuff is traced back to this moment. Verse 5, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. He saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. How many of you know that's crazy? That's not, that's not even like that today. In that short period of time, because of this sexual perversion and what it produced, constant evil, every thought and every imagination. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. The Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals, the scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. But Noah found favor with the Lord. Now, you have to be careful because the Bible says that God told Miriam and Aaron, he said, now look. He said, if there's a prophet among you, he said, I will speak to him in a dream, he said, or riddles or dark sayings. So God will always give you a hint sometime by giving you a riddle. Now, he said, now with Moses, that's not the case. He said, I'm going to talk to him face to face like he's a friend. But when it comes to everybody else, he said, I'll use riddles, I'll use dark speeches. Okay. So God may not tell you exactly, but he'll be telling you off cuff. So, because he said, my days will be... Uh, he said men's days will be 120 years, right? That's the exact amount of time from when he said it to Noah closed the door to ark. Most people don't know that. You can go look it up. Now, Noah, it did not take Noah 120 years to build the ark. But from the time that God said that to the time that of Noah's, of Noah's ark, you know, the flood was exactly 120 years. All theologians agree with that. They said that's simple to see from Scripture. It was a, from when God spoke it. He said, he said, I'll not strive with y'all. He said, your day is going to be 120. 
he was actually saying, in 120 years, all of this is going to come to an end. So what's deep is, for 120 years, them angels built a whole race. For 120 years. Yeah, 120 years. He didn't speak to Mo, I mean Noah about building an ark until about 20 years later. Which is still crazy. Okay? So when he said, my days, your days will be 120, he was telling them in 120 years. See, he's always telling you some type of way, but he expects you to see the riddle. <clears throat> Genesis 18, 17 through 21. Yeah. Now, that was Noah. It's amazing all of the comparisons between Noah, Lot, and today. Okay, Noah, they were planting, they were building, they were acting a fool, sexual perversion, and before they were destroyed, Noah was rescued. Lot, <laughs> they were planting and building, <laughs> sexual perversion, and before he, he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, rescued Lot. He's trying to give you a hint on how he's doing certain things. Now let's look at something that happened when it came to Lot. God tells Abraham in Genesis 18, 17, should I hide my plan from Abraham? Something I got to realize about God. He does not hide what he's going to do in planet Earth from his children. He hides it from the sinners. So before he got ready to do this thing on this particular date, he came to Abraham who didn't even live in the city. I'm just letting you know what I'm about to do down the street. For Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and his families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then I will do for Abraham all that I've promised. So the Lord told Abraham, I have heard a great outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah because their sin is so flagrant. I'm going down now to see if their actions are as wicked as I have heard. <laughs> if not, I want to know. It's crazy. Okay, see, there's a benefit to being a friend of God for real. He'll share stuff with you. There have been several times here in the last two years. I literally sat out of my mouth. And why are you sharing with me this foolishness about the pastor down the street? I just want you to know. You just wanted me to know, huh? I don't want to know this stuff. I'm trying to keep my own ship on the right wave. Y'all know what I'm saying? But, but when you are considered God's friend and you live right, he will share. He does not believe. Bishop Oedipo said it this way. He said when you become a lover of God, you get all the secrets. But he said because lovers always share secrets between each other. And when you become a lover of God, yeah, I got to share something with you. You know, this is getting ready to happen down the street. So, hey, um, I'm getting ready to set it off in two weeks. So I need you to quit your job the day before. So he tell you stuff like that. There's no reason for God to hold back when he's coming back. There's no reason. It's stupid, personally. I, but that's what religion teaches. Because no man knows the day or the hour. That one, and it's a sign of the times. I recognize that, but just because it's raining hard, it doesn't mean you have to say that. Now, everyone say, stop acting crazy. Now, again, I have to go ahead and go over this because already some people. Let me tell you something, y'all. Just because you believe Jesus may be coming back in two to three years, okay, what, if you haven't seen that video, let me know. You can go to the website. You're going to look for the video that says end of days prophesied in the first word of the Bible. I am convinced that the video is true. 
Every person that has watched the video can't argue with the video. You just can't argue with the video. The Bible says in the last days, those things will be revealed. Those who still think that no man knows of the day and hour, they're not going to get anything. They'd rather just stay stuck on stupid all day long. And that's not a good responsibility when, uh, or that's not being responsible when you're over people. So my responsibility was at least let y'all have access to the video because whether it's coming to pass or not, the time is short. I don't even need the video to realize that. All I had to do was walk outside. Okay. And so, but you, but let me tell you something. Okay. Let me, let me just get a little, get a little let me. So let me just read the scriptures first. Luke 19, 11 through 15. And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable because he was close to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. He said, therefore, he gives a parable about how to carry yourself with the end time. A certain nobleman, everyone say Jesus, Jesus. went into a far country, everyone say heaven, heaven, to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. <laughs> and he called his ten servants, that's me, and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, here's the sentence, occupy until I come. <laughs> I'm going to read it again. Keep your job until I show up. If you were planning on having hip surgery next week, you need to keep that appointment. You don't need to cancel your life insurance. Because if I am coming next week and you get killed tomorrow, your wife needs to be able to enjoy something. Quit changing all these plans. You know what? I don't think I need an education now. Yes, you do. Keep filling out the applications for you to go to school. You still need to go to school this fall. You need to keep your job. You need to continue with that plan to lose weight and get in shape. You need to keep going to the... Y'all understand what I'm saying? People losing their mind. Oh, he might be coming back in three years. Uh-huh. He might be coming back next week. But he said what? Occupy until I come. It means handle your business and keep on doing what you're supposed to be doing. Just make sure that you trim the fat and do what you're supposed to be doing and, and do what I told you you should be doing. Y'all got me. Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him, sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, that he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. If you are on the stock market exchange, you are supposed to continue trading until they ring the bell. So God expects you to work. They're looking at me all crazy. He expects you to keep on doing what you are supposed to be doing until you're like, Oh, this is amazing. We're traveling at the speed of light all of a sudden through all the space. Genesis 15, 12. This is going to kill you. As the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a terrifying darkness came down over him. Then the Lord said to Abram, You can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for how many years? How many years? How many years? 400 years. That's four with two zeros, right? 
but I will punish the nation that enslaves them, that's Egypt, and at the end, they will come away with great wealth. As for you, you'll die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land, for the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction. Uh, that's a whole teaching by itself. You looking at the people acting a fool, God says, not yet. I want to build it up a little bit more before I destroy them. How many years did the Lord say they were going to be in bondage? 400. And that's a four with two double O's behind it, right? Okay, I just wanted to make sure y'all had the same Bible as I, as, as, as I had. Exodus chapter 12, verse 40. The people of Israel lived in Egypt for how long? Mm. I thought the Lord said 400. They lived in Egypt for 430 years. In fact, in fact, in fact, it was on the last day of the 430th year that all the Lord's forces left the land. On this night, the Lord kept his promise. Yeah, oh, y'all just as quiet as a mouse that went to sleep in the alley. <laughs> on this night, the Lord kept his promise to bring his people out of the land of Egypt. So this night belongs to him, and it must be commemorated every year by all the Israelites from generation to generation. The Lord promised Abraham they would stay in there how long? But they came out after what? 430. Don't ask me why. I thought maybe it was deep. Maybe the 30 was tacked on because Jesus stepped into ministry after 30 years. I don't know. All I know is, is that God will tell you something, but the season might be stretched a little bit because he's trying to. Remember what he said? He said, now don't be ignorant that one day is a thousand and thousands of a day. He said, and the next verse says, well, be careful. Don't think God is slow. He's just stretching things out a little bit because he's trying to get a few more people in. So I believe the video is true. I, I'm doing that disclaimer, you know, how like the Lysol say they killed 99.9% .9 of the dream, you know, <laughs> in case you, <laughs> that, that's just me just being silly. I'm not about to say 100% with anything except for the gospel, okay? So, but, but, but I believe the video is true, but I also know that God is still sovereign. And he can make a decision, you know what, uh, I'm going to stretch this out a little bit longer. Or guess what, I'm going to shorten this up a bit. See, so that's what I mean by that. Don't be getting caught up in, now. Nah, you didn't change your whole life over one video. Y'all right. understand what I'm saying? You don't have to do your hair no more. Um, you're not getting no Christmas gifts, kids, because y'all. No. Keep your job. Run your business. Keep working that invention. Keep making plans. Just make sure that those plans are in the plans of the Lord. Y'all understand what I'm saying? <laughs> So you trim your fat, be about the Lord's business, be diligent, be working it on time, but don't be just doing crazy stuff. And, you know, people talk about they're not going to go through operations and, 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 and they're not going to school and, and, and stop. <laughs> Y'all got me. So, all right, show this timeline graphic. That was a whole lot just to get to the rapture, wasn't it? Yeah, I had to make sure that y'all make it. <laughs> All right, so here's the graphic that we showed. You see the circle over to the left that says the church age, okay? It's 2,000 years from Adam to Abraham, another 2,000 years from Abraham to Jesus. Then you have another 2,000 years from Jesus until the end of the church age, 
we are at the end of the church age. At the end of the church age, the church is snatched off the planet, and then the planet enters into the tribulation period to the right for seven years. At the end of the seven years, we come back from heaven with Jesus in the midst of a 200 million man army that has surrounded Jerusalem. And right before they pull the trigger, we part through the clouds on white horses, and then Jesus kills the whole army, and then he sets up his earthly reign for a thousand years. We'll get to that. At the end of the thousand years, by the way, at the beginning of the thousand years, at the end of the tribulation, it says Satan and his entire army is put in prison for the thousand years. And it says at the end of the thousand years, Satan is loosed one more time. It says in one moment he convinces all of the armies of the world to attack Jesus, like in the stupid alien movies. And one of the reasons we're going to try it, we'll get to this later, is because of the type of technology that will exist during the thousand-year reign of Christ. Yeah, I want you to think about what inventions will be in this planet and what will the cities look like when Jesus himself is building it. And they'll try to use that technology to turn upon Jesus Christ because they've been watching too many of the alien movies. But this one is going to end different. <laughs> okay, so y'all got the graphic. Okay, so we're going to focus right now for the next couple of, actually three, four weeks, on the tribulation period, the seven years. We're right at the beginning of it. And so let's look at this next graphic um, so that you understand this. I'm really doing a whole lot of recapping just to make you get you one point. There's a difference between the rapture and the second coming of Christ. Two major events in seven years. One starts at the beginning of the seven years, and the other happens at the end. Nothing but chaos and catastrophe in the middle. Next graphic. And the rapture, which happens at the beginning of the tribulation, believers are caught up to meet the Lord in the air. When it comes to the second coming, uh, that's at the end of the seven years, and the believers return with the Lord for a land invasion. A lot of people read the scripture and they mix these two up. Next graphic. It says, the rapture, according to scripture, will be an instantaneous hidden event at the start of the seven years. The second coming, according to scripture, will be seen by everyone at the end of the seven years. The Bible says all eyes will see him. The next graphic says in the rapture, believers are taken from the earth by God as an act of rescue and safety. Remember Noah and Lot. Noah and Lot were removed. Why? Y'all don't deserve the punishment that I'm getting ready to unleash because y'all did the right thing. So that's the rapture in the beginning of the seven years. The second coming is unbelievers are destroyed and removed from the earth by God as an act of judgment. So at the beginning of the seven years, we're taken out as an act of safety. And then at the end of the seven years, they're taken out as in death as an act of judgment. Y'all got that? All right. So let's look at the first rapture in the Bible. It's seven of them. We're only going to cover four in these last couple of minutes. Pastors always say last couple, but they mean two hours, don't they? Genesis 5, 21 through 24. When Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. And after the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years. And he had other sons and daughters. Enoch lived 365 years, walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day he disappeared. Why? Because God took him. 
Okay. Now, just to answer your question, I heard someone answer this question in my mind as I was saying that. Um, so people ask, well, why is it that back then they could live 500 years, 600 years, 800 years, even 900 years? And that Methuselah is the oldest man that ever lived after, this, after the fall. I think Methuselah was like 960-something. Um, <laughs> okay, revelation about revelation. Um, Methuselah lived almost to 1,000, but he had to die before 1,000 years because God said that uh, in the day that you eat it, you would die. And one day is as 1,000, so he couldn't let him live past 1,000. So that's one thing. Second thing is, is that before sin came in, eternal life was in full effect in the planet, so no one would die. And so the moment Adam sinned, that supernatural effect, excuse me, was still in everything. It was in the air. It was in the trees. It was still in the human body. And, and that, that, that eternal supernatural effect was still there. So it took a while for the virus of sin to begin to come in and shorten the life of everything. Okay, y'all understand that? So that's the reason why. Okay, so <clears throat> just giving you a couple of, y'all have some good questions, by the way. Okay, so we know that God took him. In Jude, it says something mysterious, though. Now, in the beginning, it tells you that he took him, but near the end of the Bible, it tells you something else. Jude 1.14. Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation. It says that for a reason. The seventh generation after Adam prophesied about the end. He said, listen, the Lord is coming back with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Okay? Remember, God speaks the what? In from the beginning. So here you have a man who in the beginning of the seventh generation is snatched out the same way the church will be snatched out at the beginning of the 7,000 year. And the man who snatched out at the beginning of the seventh generation prophesies about the end <laughs> of the 6,000 years. Said, uh, surely the Lord has shown me because he was a prophetic symbol. Why? Because God speaks the end from the beginning. So to understand and get confirmations about the end, you got to study Genesis. Okay. So that was the first rapture. It's crazy, isn't it? Just everyone to say one. Then we have the second one, found in 2 Kings 2, 1 through 11. Now, in case you didn't know this, Moses represents the Old Testament, and Elijah always represented the New Testament. That's why both Moses and Elijah were standing on top of the mountain when Jesus was on the mountain of what they call transfiguration. Moses represents the Old Testament saints who really a way for them to go into heaven had not been made yet. Their sins could not just be forgiven like that. That's why Moses couldn't also go into the promised land. But Elijah represents the church that was caught up alive and never died. <clears throat> Second Kings 2, 1 through 11. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elijah replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. Let me stop right there again. Elisha served Elijah 
all of those years and he did not take the attitude well you know what I've been here all of this time and you're getting ready to leave I might as well go ahead and stop that hip replacement surgery that I plan on having next week and I might as well go ahead and quit my job and he didn't do none of that did he even though the prophet suggested that he do that he said uh-uh occupy till I come I'm gonna be sitting right here here we go in verse 3. The group of prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and asked him, uh, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? He said, of course I know. Be quiet about it. In other words, shut up and leave me alone. Now, here you go again. This seems to be common sense in the planet that a golden chariot made out of fire is getting ready to come down from heaven and snatch this man out the planet. It was not a mentality. No man knows the day or the hour. Bible is so specific. He said to Enoch, who told you about your time, I'm going to give you a hint because he was the seventh from Adam. And the King James has said he was the seventh from Adam. Then Elijah said to Elijah, stay here for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. <laughs> but Elijah replied again, surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. He said, I'm not getting off my assignment. Even if the suggestion came from the one that I'm serving, I won't leave you. So they went on together to Jericho. Hold up just a second. Let me make sure the Lord is not revealing something to me here. Mm, mm, mm. Boy, now I got to go study this when I get home. I just hit another layer of revelation. I told you it's seven layers deep, and I just saw it. Then the group of prophets, number five, from another city. First, they were in Bethel, and that group of prophets knew that he was going to be taken. Then the group of prophets from Jericho came to Elijah and said, Did you know that the Lord is going to take away your master today? Of course I know. Listen to that. Of course I know. Listen to language. Everybody knows this. Why are y'all getting on my nerves? Everybody knows. that. Just, Be quiet about it. Today, shut up. Then Elijah said to Elijah, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. But again, Elijah replied, surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. Fifty men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elijah stopped beside the Jordan River. So not only do these guys know the day, they have decided that they also know the spot. So just like we sit up there in Florida and watch a shuttle take off and go to outer space, we got to watch this. We're going to, we got y'all ready, y'all ready. This is about to be the greatest show on earth. And they're sitting off to the side waiting for this thing to come. Elijah folded his cloak together, struck the water with it. The river divided, and the two of them went across on dry land. When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I can do for you before I am taken away. And Elijah replied, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. <laughs> In verse 10, he did not say, Lift your hands and get ready to receive, son. Pull out that anointing oil. I'm getting ready to smother you with all this oil. And that's what I say. Quit going to these little stupid conferences where you can get a double portion by coming to somebody's church and somebody slapping you down on the ground. You better get a double portion of your wig being cocked to the side. That's all you're going to get. <laughs> Listen to what Elijah said to this boy who had been faithful to the end when he asked for something like that. <clears throat> Verse 10. You have asked a difficult thing. 
So if it was difficult for those great men of God, how is it easy today? By you just going to a conference of a special speaker who comes to town and they lay hands on you and now, bing, you can walk in double of their mess. That's usually what ends up being the case. Remember what Jesus said? He said, when y'all send somebody to Bible school, he said, they come out twice the devil. Jesus was ruthless. When they came to the other side, oh, I'm sorry. He said, you've asked a difficult thing. And then he's in verse 10. If you see me when I am taken from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. In other words, it won't matter how long you served. If you're not there to the last second, what you requested will pass you by. And as they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two of them, separating them. And Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. This is some crazy mess right here, boy. You imagine you standing there talking to your supervisor. And as a group of 50 men who know that it's the day, just in that area, let alone the other two cities they were in. And they're waiting <laughs> for this thing to come from heaven. And then you see horses made out of fire, pull her in a chariot made out of fire, and they swoop you up. And then the, the horses, the chariot, and the man of God leave the planet in a tornado. And y'all knew this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. There's y'all that believe that no man knows the day or the hour. So that was number two. The third one is just one verse. That's easy. Acts, because the third one is Jesus. So the first one is Enoch. The second one is Elijah. And just as a hint, many believe, y'all, some of you who read the Bible, you know about the two witnesses in Revelation that bring it. Some people believe it's Moses and Elijah. Others believe it's Enoch and Elijah. Now, both of us could be wrong. <laughs> I think it's Enoch and Elijah because they were the two men that didn't die. They were snatched off the planet. I think it's those two, which means they got to come back and they actually have to die. And that's why the two guys in Revelation have to die and then they go up to heaven. But that's my opinion. We don't know. It could be two other dudes that are elders. You know what I'm saying? We don't know. Could be one of y'all. I don't even know. I'm hoping it's me. I'm hoping I get chosen the way I was chosen this. I'd love to do something like that. We're going to get that. We'll get to that in a moment. <laughs> Crazy like that. Don't pay no attention to me. <laughs> Acts 1, 9 through 11. This is Jesus, by the way. After he got up from the dead, um, he spent a little bit more time on earth, and I think Scripture says that he talked to about 500 witnesses. And after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching. This is the disciples. And they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, I mean, he's going up and they just kind of look, trying to see, trying to see. It says, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way that you saw him go. So this is so funny because how many know if Jesus was in front of you and you're still trying to get over the fact that he healed the leper that you knew down the street from you and now this man died and he got up from the dead and, and, and he just walked through the walls and he did all of this crazy stuff and, and, and then a cloud comes down and Jesus steps into the cloud. <laughs> it, it just, it going like this up. 
and, and, and not fast. I mean, he's just going up, and they're just looking, 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 the same way that you would look at a rocket go to the point you could hardly see it. It says they strained to look at him. And then right in the midst of this, they look down at the two angels. What y'all standing here for? <laughs> I'm trying to help you read the Bible like I read the Bible. What do you mean why are we standing here? <laughs> Apparently you used to this man doing this. We are not used to somebody stepping on the cloud after they get up from the dead, after they've been to hell. We're not used to that. And they said, what y'all standing here for? Get to work. <laughs> that shows you how the kingdom of heaven is in a very intense place. They said, get to work. They said, the same way you saw him leave. Now, you saw him leave the planet and go through those clouds. When he comes back, he's going to come back through the clouds and touch on the planet. But that don't apply to y'all. Get to work. Everybody say, third rapture. So we'll, do, we'll close with the fourth one. The fourth one is where we are right now, the church. This is when uh, the Lord has decided, well, it's time for the tribulation period to start. Um, if you're paying attention, you can see it in front of your eyes. You really can. You could just, and, and, and to be totally honest with you, it's like, Let me see if I want to say this, and if I do say it, how do I want to say it? I'll come back to it if I'm supposed to say it. Second Thessalonians 2.1. Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered together to meet him. Okay? That phrase, gathered to meet him, um, is what the scripture says. But yes, it is true. The word rapture is nowhere in the Bible. The word rapture is just like a slang term that the church created for this phrase. Because rapture means to be caught away. It also means to be uh, uh, brought away in a state of ecstasy. But it says here, it talks about us being gathered together um, to meet him. And uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.16 it's another scripture about the rapture, uh, the beginning of the seven years, not the end. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel. Now here, in this particular scenario, his feet did not touch the ground. It says that he just comes from heaven into the clouds, and it says that he comes with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves, and then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord, not on the ground. We'll be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. Okay. So a couple of things. Someone asked a couple of good questions. I get this from time to time in different areas. And so the question was, you know, what about um, people who have been cremated, different things like that? Well, that's no different than somebody who their body rotted in the grave. It's no different. You know, the thing that you have to remember, and even scientists understand this, they said power is neither created or destroyed. It's simply transferred from one state to another. Nothing disappears. Nothing is destroyed. You can't because it came out of God. So it might be destroyed from the physical realm, but it's still laying in the earth encoded in its molecular form. Or it's... Uh, 
I studied this stuff for a long time and can't even remember how to pronounce it or um, what is it? Um, oh God. It is the study of uh, quantum science down to the quantum field um, where uh, you can't even see things with the telescope. The thing is, is that the intelligence of God is, remember what, what God said? He said, I even know uh, how many hairs are on your head. An individual that can be in everyone at the same time um, has a level of infinite intelligence that you just can't comprehend. You, you know, if, if you burn a house down to the ground, then, you know what I'm saying? You know, but, but like, I think I said this a few weeks ago, God is the only individual that can blow a house up and then determine where each piece falls. I mean, so, so yeah, you might, somebody might put you in, because I mean, think about it, what about people who die in airplane crashes, you know? I mean, the list goes on and on, people who get set on fire. I mean, you burn up, but the problem is, is that it looks like it can't be traced, whereas with God, it can be easily traced. It can easily be traced because you don't see things from his point of view. We can only see things from the tangible earth realm, but, and, and what, I, what I should call the earth dimension, but there are other dimensions that you can't see where what disappeared to you can be seen clearly on the other side. So when God puts it back together, I mean, and, and it's, it's kind of like, like, you know, this carpet, each carpet has a, has, has a fiber that's like, you know, the size of a, like a little pen or a safety pen. It's just, all these little fibers make this hole. Okay, well, you could put an atomic bomb in here and blow up the whole thing to smithereens, but God has his infinite intelligence. He knows not only where every fiber went, but when it burned up, he can put it back together again. So when it comes to the bodies, I can't explain the science of it, but I, I can only stop there because we don't have the terminology, let alone the language, <laughs> or language, let alone the technology, to explain those things. So, but and that's why I tell people when it comes to funeral services, it don't matter if, you know, you put the body in a casket or whether, you know, you do the whole um, cremation thing. Or in the case, sometimes people, you know, the body got destroyed or whatever. I mean, think about people in war or, I mean, can you imagine what happened when that atomic bomb went off in Japan? How people were vaporized. Seems like they were vaporized. They weren't. That was the, 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 the you know how you can leave your thumbprint on a car? God has the ability to pull the print. Nothing disappears. It just disappears from this dimension, but it, it still exists, just as clear in the other dimension as possible. So I just wanted to add that. Whew. Okay, so when it comes to the rapture, we're going to end it by me putting you on a particular journey. This probably only takes five, ten minutes at the most. Because people, why would God want you to be removed? We know that during the rapture, all type of stuff pops up. So we'll walk through this graphic, these graphics one by one. This is where we are right now. Um, I don't know why I feel, I don't think this has anything to do with that, but I feel like the church in America has a window that only lasts to the end of this year to get itself together. I don't know. I don't know. Now, I'm not saying I'm correct. I don't, but I, first of all, I do know that's true. But I don't know if it's true concerning our network in regards to Lord of said. Uh, you and the pastors that have joined you, which at this point is about 14. <laughs> um, get the, cause, and so I'm having to create a second form where I train pastors every week to bring them up to speed. Um, and so, so I feel like I have this, it's a small window. I, what is on the other side of that? I don't know. As you see, as you see, everything concerning the virus is starting to roll back in again. 
you know, starting to roll back in again. And uh, at this point, nobody know who nobody knows who to believe because the head guy, Fauci, has changed his mind back and forth. The CDC then went back and forth. Biden has no idea what he is talking about. And, and so it's just a bunch of confusion and everybody is fighting against each other and do what's best for you. Yes. If you want to wear a mask, even here, wear a mask. I'm not having no problem with anybody wearing a mask. Everyone's comfort level should be respected. But I do know it's a problem that when you've been vaccinated twice and you still get the virus, you know, and, and it's very unfortunate because I won't mention her name, but I was just talking with an individual, individual who's still they're a member of our church and they, they used to work in that field for a long time and they still do some consulting. And I've talked to other people who worked in the pharmaceutical field and, and I did know that whenever they test this pharmaceutical medication, um, they're testing it as fast as they can. And the test um, is to see how many side effects. Um, and I don't know how much has changed now, but unless something has changed, they don't test that pharmaceutical medication on sick people. They test it on healthy people because they were not really trying to see if it works. They're trying to make sure they can get it approved. So the quickest way to get it approved is to test it on people that really don't have a bunch of issues. And then if we can get it approved, then we get it approved. And, and like the person was telling me, a lot of the side effects don't show up until like after five, six, seven years. But the testing, and they share with me something that I didn't really think about or know, and that they try to get it approved within three years because that's the window to get it approved before the generics imitate you and start taking some of your money. So it's a big game, you know, and I just got through ministering to somebody that was on nine medications at the same time. And I'm, I'm, I won't mention worse when I say this. I don't understand how an idiot doctor could put you on 9, 10, 11, 12 medications, and each one has its own side effect. Now, now, the one you put them on has side effects. You don't know the long-term side effects. So now you're going to mix that. Now, when they tested that medication, they didn't test it with the other eight that you got them on. And I don't mean to be funny or anything, but I don't even eat eight vegetables together. You know what I'm saying? I'm just... You go to the salad bar and you pretty much put on what? Five or six, you know. Nobody goes to the salad bar and puts every vegetable on their plate. <laughs> this has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, does it? It's just game. <laughs> hey, so I don't even know how I got on that. Oh, yeah, so, you know, just like Sadhu said, he said, when, it's amazing it's just how profits operate. And what you can sense, he said, as soon as they get on top of the first one, what he said, the second one is going to come in. So it's going to be a whole lot of confusion, and all of this is like the appetizer for what's getting ready to happen. So just visually go on this journey with me from graphic to graphic. First graphic says, when the rapture occurs, now we're going to look at this from only the United States point of view. You live in the United States. When the rapture occurs, every single American who is a born-again believer in Jesus Christ will suddenly disappear. This will cause enormous disorientation and disruption for all of the unbelievers who are left behind as their lives suddenly change. And they are forced to handle the aftermath and adapt to the new and rapidly shifting conditions. Think of how dramatically life in the United States changed after we lost 3,000 Americans on September 11th. First and foremost, the emotional impact was devastating. Travel changed, 
The way we conduct foreign policy changed. Our economy changed. Our government institutions changed. So many areas of life changed that it is difficult to adequately categorize them. There are over 328 million people living in the United States. Based on what happened September 11th, try to imagine the United States losing just 10% of its citizens in the blink of an eye. 32 million people gone in one moment. Now, I want you to think about that. Now, when September 11th happened, look at the effect that that had on the nation. I remember where I was, and I remember that when that third plane hit the Pentagon, a feeling came over me that I did not like. Hey, now, that was 3,000 people. Imagine if 32 million people, that's just 10%, could be more, could be a little less. 32 million people in the United States disappear in the blink of an eye. If you're riding in a car driven by a believer who suddenly disappears, that car very well could crash. If you're on a plane flown by believers who suddenly disappear, that plane could also crash. The train engineer disappears, so the train just keeps on going. Highly valuable and experienced military commanders and business leaders, as well as medical professionals, will disappear, perhaps in the middle of critical projects or medical procedures. The impact will be catastrophic. Consider the emotional devastation for people who suddenly lose a spouse, children, parents, friends, colleagues, neighbors, and other loved ones. There will be no dead bodies to identify and no human way to find closure. Imagine the horror of parents who watch their children disappear in front of them. Most people don't know that when the rapture happens, pretty much around every child, 9, 10, and under automatically goes by default. You can't find the kidnapper. There are going to be some parents that you're, they'll, they'll be feeding their child and the child will disappear when the spoon is in their mouth. There'll be others that they'll find out that a bunch of people are missing, they'll run to the daycare and all of the kids are gone. And they can't blame it on kidnap because there's nobody that can kidnap all the kids in the planet at the same time. So they're gonna turn and say it was aliens. Next graphic. Consider the horror that will be experienced by millions of people who long described themselves as Christians but suddenly realized that they were not included in the rapture. People who realized that they never actually received for themselves the free gift of forgiveness and salvation offered by Jesus Christ. Consider how sickened they will feel when they realize that despite having gone to church and perhaps occasionally read the Bible and done good works and been religious in some way, they never really understood or accepted God's plan of salvation. A lot of the Christians that will be left are ones who don't have any idea what it means to walk in love. Consider, too, the terror felt by atheists and agnostics and people of other religions when they see their country and their world imploding and realize that their family members and friends who had been followers of Jesus Christ were right and now are gone, but that they themselves were left to face the wrath to come. Can such people fall on their knees the minute after the rapture and receive Christ's free gift of salvation for themselves? Absolutely. And they should. If they do, the Bible teaches that their sins will be instantly forgiven and their souls saved forever. One of the greatest days of salvation will be the first week after the rapture happens. 
Next graphic. But as wonderful and true as salvation will be, such people who receive Christ as their Savior and Lord after the rapture will also be struck by the daunting realization that they and their remaining family members, friends, and neighbors will have to endure unimaginable suffering in a country that neither will neither be nor seem like anything that they have ever known. A country that has neither the strength nor the will to oppose the Antichrist or the persecution that is coming. Imagine the economic implications of the rapture. What will happen when millions of American homeowners suddenly disappear, never to make another mortgage payment again? What will happen when business owners are suddenly no longer around to pay their bills or their employees? Or continue delivering vital goods and services? What will happen to the federal government when millions of taxpayers are no longer providing Washington much-needed revenues? What will happen to state governments? What will happen when nonprofit agencies and medical clinics and hospitals that care for the poor and needy here in the United States are, and are run by and funded by believers suddenly stop operating? What will happen when humanitarian relief organizations and adoption agencies and other charitable organizations that are run by and funded by believers in Jesus Christ stand empty? Those who sneer at Christianity and mock the do-gooders and the missionaries will suddenly realize the fallacy of their pride as they enter into the season of the greatest horror show on earth. All of this traumatic change in the United States will be compounded by the fact that hundreds of millions of believers around the world, possibly a billion or more, would have suddenly disappeared at the exact same moment. They will stop returning phone calls and emails. They will stop paying their bills and compensating their employees. They will stop being a force for good and hope in the world. They will simply be gone. Foreign policy implications for the United States must also be considered. With such an immediate, enormous, and unprecedented shock to American society and economy from the loss of millions of people, it is difficult to imagine how the United States could remain a superpower. How could we quickly replace all our Christian intelligence and foreign policy officials who would suddenly be gone? How could we quickly replace all the officers throughout the ranks of our military who are born-again believers? With all the resulting chaos caused by the rapture, how could the United States move rapidly and effectively to defend a threatened or invaded ally or defend our vital interests around the world? How could we even defend our homeland? One of the reasons why this is a problem? Watch this. It is obvious that the United States still has more Christians and their different circles of careers than other countries. What happens when half the military disappears and all of China's is still intact? I don't understand. I mean, we're falling, but y'all, a lot of people that serve in the military, a lot of people that serve in the United States government, a lot of people that serve as police officers, a lot of people that serve as nurses and hospital staffs, yes. these are Christians. Right. Gone. Right. <laughs> Crazy. Imagine everyone glued to their phones on social media looking for answers while at the same time constantly making phone calls, but because the systems are overloaded, everything shuts down at the same time. People raid the stores and the banks and the gas stations and in one week, everything 
is empty. Chaos, fear, anxiety, depression, rage, confusion, and distrust for everything and everyone will be the norm as almost all cities in the world all implode at the same time. Neither the military, the police, or first responders will be able to handle anything. Many of them themselves will be gone, and the ones remaining will not care about you because they are dealing with their own chaotic situations. And if all of this happens in the first week, imagine what the next seven years would be like. Now, that's the first week. That's the first week. And the Bible says it gets worse as you move forward we have not that's just when people disappear we're not talking about now you can understand why everyone would take this mark we got to have some control by which if you want to eat you're going to take this mark because we need to trace everybody because the whole planet has imploded military police firemen and the ones that's left I mean, it's just, and it's not just the United States, it's around the world. Every place is affected by this at the same time. I want you to, um, we, we're not talking about, the, we're not talking about your neighborhood, you know, we're talking about your city, we're not talking about the, 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 even the planet. I just want you to imagine a woman that either has not lived right or is unbeliever, and she's in there with her kids watching Sesame Street, and all three kids disappear right in front of her. And it's just closed right there. Imagine her state of being. You don't know where to turn. You don't know who to call. And when you make the phone call, it's busy because the whole thing implodes and all of the phone systems are shut down because 32 million people just disappeared. And now you got, just in case I didn't know, it's 368 billion people in the United States who all get on the phone at the same time. 9-11 is not coming. Fire department is not coming. You are the first responder. And the truth be told, even though some of us collect a lot of ammunition, all that type of stuff, we're not going to need that. They're going to break into our house because they will need it. And, of course, <clears throat> the two biggest conspiracy theories of the day will be this is the rapture and it was aliens. The ones who are not stupid are going to say, I messed up. Let me give my life to Christ now. But the ones, as the Bible said, who will continue to be evil, they're going to turn and say, and this is the deep part. The Holy Ghost told me not only are they going to blame it on aliens, but they are then going to try to create technology and weapons expecting this to happen again. And it will three more times in seven years. Now, we're not talking about the Bible talks about several type of meteors and asteroids that are going to hit the planet. We're not talking about, I don't know what this is. It talks, about, uh, it talks about an angel who comes down from heaven and opens up the bottomless pit. And these demons with hair and teeth come out and they can torment men for three months. This is chaos upon chaos upon chaos. And when you read the book of Revelation, read how many times through each stage that the scripture says, but they still would not repent of their sin and their witchcraft and their sorceries and their fornications. And so God says, boy, y'all hard to break. Bring the rain again. And the Bible says seven years where the Lord just in Bible, you know, seven seals, seven trumpets, <laughs> seven thunders. Bible doesn't even want us to know what that was. And then it says seven bowls. And it says those seven bowls contain 
the last bit of the wrath of God. And another scripture says that when he tells those angels to pour it out, it says no matter what, he will not relent. He won't change his mind. <clears throat> it's crazy. And yet in the midst of that, there will be a lot of people still getting saved. And so one of the things that you're going to find is, is that the reason why there are more raptures is because when the seven years starts, when you get to the three and a half mark, that's when the, 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 the eagle says, ah, you thought that was something, wait till you see the second half. So before the real second half kicks in, which is the worth half, God then snatches out those Christians. This is mercy. He said, I'm not willing, willing that any should perish, but since you didn't get the point the first time, I got to let you get the point the second time. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Okay. <clears throat> That's one week. And I, I couldn't even do that justice. I want you to imagine. See, you can read about something on the news, but what happens when every street is the news? I want you to imagine stepping out on, and I know you, how many know this is our imaginations because it's not going to happen to us. I want you to imagine, you t I mean, I want you to imagine you wake up, you missed it. And you wake up and you just lay in the bed and get on social media like you normally do and all that type of stuff. And, and, and then you get ready to go to work, but you feel strange. Just something is, something's funny. And now let me just turn on the news. And uh, can you imagine that you've got 300 channels? Half of them are blank. The other half are only talking about this. All sports have been canceled. Everything has been canceled. Flights have been canceled. The Uber guy is not even coming to pick you up. He looking for his. Y'all, I'm trying to help y'all understand. This is some straight chaos. This is just like all over the planet at the same time. Nobody knows what to do. Nobody knows who to turn to. And nobody knows who to call. And you can't call if you did know who to call. And as quick as possible, governments are going to try to take a hold of this. And then at that moment... The Antichrist who's been practicing behind the scenes will step forward. And the Bible says he'll take control because he knows how to do supernatural stuff like even call fire down from heaven. And it says his assistant will be a man of God that's fake. Yeah, we need to control everybody. And y'all, do y'all see how fast they churned out this vaccination? Okay, so guess what? Because of this, they, have, they are creating systems now to be able to churn out stuff in one day. So they, and, and you're not talking about getting a shot. You're talking about something by which, who knows how they do it, where everybody got to receive this, whatever it is. And, 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 and I start getting insight, y'all. I'm almost done. I start getting insight into why would they want you to reject Christianity in order to get this mark? Because they know that everybody is, it's almost like, it's almost like, you know, the Bible talks about those who know God exists, but they hate him. So it's almost like this is a revenge thing. We know some of y'all going to get saved. And, and, and we need to stop this. We need to, they're going, it's, it's anything that they can do to try to slow down and stop this Christian thing that might happen again. Because everybody's going to turn to the Bible. Because everybody has to investigate what is going on here. Everybody has to investigate. And, and that's what I say. Pray for your family members like a lifestyle. Because, let me say something. For some people, your family members are going up on the second spaceship. They just are. God is not going to bypass their will because of you. There are some people that their spouses will be left behind because of their mentality. 
she believed in God. Mm-hmm. The Bible says so does the devil. God is looking at were they faithful. You make excuses all you want to. And that's what it is. It's just an excuse. And that's just a simple fact. There are some spouses that's not going up. The Bible says, you remember what the scripture says? It says two people will be in bed. One will be taken and the other left. It says two people will be grinding at the meal together. One will be taken and the other left. Some parents are going and the children left behind. Some children are going. But y'all, that's, cra- that's the craziest thing in the world. That alone. I don't know exactly what's called the AIDS of accountability. That alone, where all children, maybe nine and under, gone. All of them. All of them. That alone would make the whole planet lose their mind. That alone. And when it happens, you have no choice but to walk home. It don't matter if you were downtown. You got to walk home. You're not going anywhere. It's too many cars that have no occupants. It's too many car accidents. Hopefully, I believe that God will orchestrate things in such a way to minimize the impact. I don't believe it'll be that many planes out of the sky. I really do believe that maybe that day or the day before that a lot of pilots will stay home. Or, I mean, that happened with September 11th. The amount of people that received angelic visitations to stay home or just weird things. Like the guy said he forgot something at the house five times. <laughs> Kept going back. So by the time he got to work, he had missed the whole thing. So I believe that, but I'm trying to help you understand where you at your house and you don't know what's going on. The whole, can you, how many of you know, they loot a store over a man getting killed, shot by the police. What you think they gonna do? Oh, you don't think they coming in your house? You know, I'm preaching this sermon to the people that's gonna be left behind and listen to the website when they left behind. You think they ain't coming in your house? You can't get any food anywhere. If they just say that a piece of snow is going to come down tomorrow, we run up in Sam's Club, snatch everything out. What happens when 32 million people more or less disappear just in the United States? You actually think it's going to be some food on the shelf? Oh, you actually believe it's going to be some gas at the gas station? You actually think your telephone is going to work? Okay. I don't even know who I'm talking to. I ain't talking to y'all. I mean, no, I'm not talking to y'all at all. We're going to be up yonder. <laughs> y'all looking like, no, 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 no. It's that commercial with the basketball player. No, no, uh. You are not getting me, Satan. It's not going to happen, Doc. Revelation, did you read these last two in the round? Revelation 19, 4 through 9. While this is going on in planet Earth, this revelation is telling you about what happens in seven years in two different dimensions at the same time. So while this is going on, this is what's going on in heaven. Then the 24 elders and the four living beings fell down and worshiped God who was sitting on the throne. They cried out, amen, praise the Lord. And from the throne came a voice that said, praise our God. From the throne came a voice. This is not God. It's a voice. Because most of the thrones up there are living beings. The throne came a voice that said, praise our God, all his servants, all who fear him from the least to the greatest. Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. That's us. 
The sound of us praising God based on what we see sounds like oceans and thunder at the same time. You're going to scream your head off. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him, for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. God snatches you out the planet so you can eat. And his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. Watch this. Law of conversion. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. Keep telling people, the more you do for Christ, you're spinning your own wardrobe on the other side. <laughs> and the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, these are true words that come from God. And then Jesus added a little thing here when he was on planet Earth. He told you about that moment, Luke 12, 35. He said, be, and he's spiritually speaking also, be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning. Don't go cold. Okay, you need to be serving God and your family more than you ever have before. He said, be dressed for service, and he wasn't talking about church. <laughs> As though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. Tell you the truth. Here we go. Jesus himself will seat them, put on an apron, and serve them as they sit and eat. I want you to imagine you get snatched off the planet and they make ready for provision for you to have what they call it's just the most wonderful meal. Can you imagine what the food tastes like? Can you imagine what, how long the table is? Can you imagine what the chairs look like? You know, the, the utensils, you know, don't go up there thinking that you use a fork. That's your American mentality. I'm telling you, when you go up there, it's going to freak you out what's up there. And then in the midst of this great big old meal, Jesus, oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. See, this is what happens when you're a parent. Side joke for a second. I thought Francia wrote something on her booklet that she was trying to message me. So I looked closer and it says, do not open and do not touch. That's probably for her kids. That is too funny. Back to the meal. Jesus sets you down. And I want you to imagine eating food that you have never the food explodes throughout your entire being. And you got Jesus standing there with a waiter's towel talking about, would you like some more? You were like, Jesus, I don't even want to talk to you right now, man. I'm just, what are you doing with an apron serving me? And he's going to say, did not I say that, that let those that be the greatest among you be as one that serves? Think about that. The one who died for you is going to serve you the food. Now, if you have a little cup up there that says tips, that ain't the time to hold back. Just joking. So, during the seven-year tribulation, the gospel is being preached continuously in the midst of the chaos. Many are getting saved, but the horror show continues. And it's outside of our comprehension 
because the time that it takes for all of us to be seated, the time that it takes for us to enjoy this wonderful meal in the realm of light, the time that it takes for us to get ourselves together and see Jesus and Abraham and David and some of your other relatives and all of this type of stuff, by the time you're done eating, that's what we'll pick up in a couple of weeks. Because when you're done eating, Jesus says, all right, time for you to put on armor. Put on armor. And then you look over to the right and to the left, and all you see is white horses. And these horses are so technological, they are greater than rocket ships. Because if you needed a rocket ship or airplane, he'd tell you to get on a plane. He said, no, you're going to need a heavenly horse for this. So I'll tell you that story later in a couple of, probably in a couple of weeks about the scenario by which what happens when the horses, uh, can you imagine what those horses look like? I will give you a hint. The horses don't have normal horse hair. The hair is spun from different type of rubies and the horse's eyes glow. Um, just the mane is made out of materials of light and stuff like that. And this is what we ride back on. And, uh, and so by the time we sit down and eat and then get back up, seven years of chaos would have passed. Because time up there is different. It just is. I mean, it's not even, it's not even a realm of time. By the time, time you sit, I mean, think about that. By the time you sit down and enjoy this and take your time and you enjoy it, and we fellowship and we just blown away. I'm telling you, this is not like a Thanksgiving dinner. You are beyond blown. Some of y'all not even going to eat. You know, I'm going to eat. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting this in, you know. But I want to tell you, I want you to imagine what type of food this is where when the children of Israel ate it, it says that nobody got sick. And it says their clothes didn't wear out. The Bible says that when Elijah ate the food, the angel told him, eat. He ate it twice, and it says that he went on the strength of that water and that food for 40 days while he walked to another country. So, so again, don't miss your train ticket because you don't want to get yourself together down here. I'm not missing nothing. I'm not missing my reward. I'm not missing the time slot when the airplane is supposed to take out. If I get a hint that Jesus is coming back, I'm going to be standing right on the porch. Let me tell you something. I'm going to use a word that my wife probably would appreciate. When we get snatched off the planet, it's going to be quite freaky down here. You're, I mean, some people are literally going to lose their mind. They won't be able to take it. They just, they won't be able to comprehend what in the world, and I'm telling you, they're going to blame it on aliens. They're going to blame it on aliens, and the Antichrist is going to rise to power. Everybody got to take a mark of the beast, and, and, then, and then watch this, watch this. And so everybody's going to say, this had to be a one-time event. You know, they're going to be looking for aliens in outer space, and then boom, it happens again. <laughs> in the midst of tornadoes and just, I mean, the, I mean y'all, the, the Bible talks about just when the two witnesses are raptured off the planet. It says as soon as they're taken out, an earthquake happens, and exactly 7,000 people die in the city. God is controlling the mayhem. I mean, it's just that amount of craziness. And, and so we'll get over into that. So, so seven raptures, those are four. We're at the mark of the fourth one. 
So whereas the church is afraid of this, the church the Bible says that you should be looking forward to it and trying to hurry it along. That's a hint to something I think too. It says you should be hurrying it along. It says you should be encouraging each other. Why? Because as I studied this, I realized something I had not really thought about before. Y'all, we are getting ready to have the most exhilarating ride that you have ever heard of or experienced. When I say exhilarating, if the rapture happens right now, you are snatched out this planet, traveling towards heaven faster than the speed of light, unless the portal opens. And you go through the portal and that sucker closed and now we are all in heaven. No wonder that the writer said that when he saw us in heaven, he said these people were shouting. He said it sounded like the ocean and thunder at the same time. You're going to lose your mind. You're not going to be like, Lord, I... The roast was still in the oven, Jesus. You're not going to be doing no stupid stuff like that. I mean, you are, when you see that, and you got to remember, the Bible says, see, there's a, the, one of the things is heaven is constantly rejo rejoicing. So you got to remember, when you get snatched out the planet, you're going to enter into a realm that was already shouting as you came in. I mean, this is, this, this is not no punk story of a religious Jesus. This is a dude, when you read Revelation carefully, these scenarios have music attached to it live. When you watch a movie, they attach move, um, um, music to it so that you get into the emotion of it. But when this happens for real, the Bible says that when these things happen, there's going to be music played as this happens. Can you imagine what the music is going to sound like? This happens and mu the Bible talks about the trumpets and this is music. And they don't talk about that stupid stuff. I mean, can y'all imagine what this is going to sound like? You get snatched up and the music is playing. And when Jesus comes in, all of heaven is already. Ah, and you got to enter that. And when John said it, he said, ain't nothing else I can come close to. I can't even get anything greater. He said, I just simply know. He said that these people were shouting. He said it sounded like the ocean and it sounded like the thunder of a great multitude all put together. He said they lost it when they saw what was up there. And then you gotta eat and then come back with the same scenario, the same, watch this, the same way Jesus left is the same way he came back. So the same way you left, you gotta come back the same way. And the second time is crazier than the first. First time you get snatched out, second time you come back riding horses. So, and we ain't even talking, we're not even talking about what we do. What will we set up on this planet for a thousand years? We come back with glorified bodies, and every unbeliever that mocked at you and laughed at you feels like a complete idiot because you look like a god to them. So, if you want to give that up so you can shake your booty at the club, you be my guest. We went to a fair the other day. My kids were hollering. They were playing that song. I, I'm not going to sing that song. <laughs> I'm going to be out of order to go from heaven to hell that quick. Your future is beyond bright. The only thing that you need to be concerned about is if you're not living right if you're not on point, okay? And if you're not on point, 
get on point. Wonderful thing about Jesus is it don't matter how long you are off point. When you get on point, you are good with heaven. But if you think by any stretch of the imagination that this is getting ready to be mundane or boring, the rendition that I gave you, yeah, you can put that in the trash. That's not even on level one compared to a million based on how it's really going to be. You don't even have a clue because I don't. I just got a great imagination and the Holy Spirit shows me visions. But we got a bright, bright, ex the key to remember, your future is not bright. It is beyond exhilarating. This stuff is going to be so insanely exciting and exhilarating. Every fiber of your being will do more than enjoy it. You won't even be able to express the vengeance of being a part of the greatest kingdom and the greatest army of all times. Can you imagine the electricity that's going to be in the air when we got to climb on top of these horses that are living beings with wings and come flying back into this planet? To all of the folk who called you a punk because you serve Jesus. Because a lot of them might be living because it's only seven years. Yo, atheist down the street, got to look at you come in the neighborhood. Okay? There's a, and I'll stop here. I'll read it later. There's a spot in the Old Testament where the prophet saw us. He said, this group that came back, he said, you couldn't stop them. He said they would climb over walls. They would jump over things. They see, he said they had the ability to destroy everything. He said nothing in planet Earth could stand before this group. Because it's us. These are gone. These are glorified bodies. They are so strong, the Bible says that he saw, the Bible says it's saw an angel standing in the sun. Not in front of it, in it. You can't die. The only way you can die is if they can kill Jesus. Because at that moment, you have the same spirit as Jesus and you got the same body as Jesus. And that body could disappear and appear at will. We're riding horses because it looks cool, not because we need transportation. I'm trying to help y'all understand. Y'all, God does things based on a cool fact. See, religion has messed this thing. If y'all don't think God is cool, man, you got another thing coming. God is very much into looks. In case you think Jesus needs a horse. No, he decided to write that thing for effect purposes. He didn't need a horse when he came the first time. He didn't need a horse when he left. Y'all understand what I'm saying? He decided to come back with horses. I think this is a cool idea for us to go into the planet riding white stallions. Not that we actually need one. I mean, I'm thinking about this all day. I can deal with some trouble. I can deal with everything not being my way and not being happy all the time and deal with that because in a minute, Jesus, in a minute, in a quick minute, y'all have no idea. It's a window. I'm, I'm watching slowly but surely the Lord is calling many people around the world back home. You see them getting their lists up together. See, he says, I'm saying, look, don't miss your ticket because this right here is the greatest ticket that you ever going to imagine. So, man. I'm sorry, my eyebrows are stuck in my head. I'm ready to go right now. You better, man. Jesus, let's go ahead and stay in. Hallelujah. <laughs> Terry bouncing around. She want to get on the horse right now. Don't let me see you at the zoo trying to climb over there. Can I ride that? I need to practice for the other side. This stuff will make you crazy. 
<laughs> Just go around shouting all the time, walking, go to work. Hey! Oh, God! Ah! You just, that's where the Church of God in Christ, they had the revelation. Just, you get to thinking about that like, oh, God, hey! I've been doing that a lot lately, just, it's just crazy. Let's go ahead and lift our hands. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you, O Lord God. Whether you're here with us or whether you're online, the Lord is never mad at anybody. Just ask him to forgive you for your laziness. I did. I had to ask him to forgive me for being lazy, getting caught too much up in other stuff. I told you, and I asked the Lord to kind of judge me, and he gave another man a dream that I was wasting time. Bible says redeem the time because the days are evil. Thank you, O Lord God. This has given me the greatest ability to turn my emotions off. When being done wrong, doing the right thing. Father, we thank you and we praise you. Thank you, O Lord God, for the exhilarating and the exciting and the mysterious and magical future that we have, O Lord. We are your children, and soon we will find out what it means to rule and reign with you. Thank you, O Lord God, for your unlimited power and grace that has saved us, set us free. Thank you, Lord, that in spite of what we see happening in the world, for us, it's a time of excitement because we know that the time is soon here. Thank you, O Lord God. The world had its time, and soon we will have our time. Thank you, O Lord God, but our time will be forever. We bless and honor you. Magnify you, O Lord God, and thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' mighty name.